Steve, happy Monday. Happy Monday to you. We also have our, what is it, Jake? A co-co-host? Is that what you were? Yep. Yep. Co-co-host. 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 Is it like <laughs> junior kids host day? <laughs> yeah. So you know how like there's like a senior develop our senior product manager. I'm like the junior, you know, host to this podcast. Like, podcast not, host. Yeah. <laughs> well, Steve and I were I like away it. with family last week and you were calling yourself like the president of EXO. So you're down off your throne now, I guess, now that Steve's back. Yeah, yeah, I'm back. I'm back to where I belong. Stephen Mark. Welcome here. back, Junior. Yep. Uh, cool. Um, so yeah, we got a couple a couple listener questions to dive into today on this Monday minute. Uh, got some hunting to talk about. Uh, hint, hint, Jake Poo. And before we get into that, just real quick, uh, you guys have heard about the EXO Experience uh, giveaway contest that's going on. And just want to say, first of all, the feedback from that's been awesome. Uh, there's heard from a ton of you guys, obviously September's wrapping up. So many of you guys had opportunities to get out in the field and share that with us, which has been so fun to read and see. Um, and if you haven't yet entered, um, it's not too late. So we're running this all fall. We did pick our winner from September. Uh, his name was John had a cool story and photo, which you can see on our Instagram, which is at Huntbackcountry. Uh, but October, we got a new prize uh, for the new month and your hunt doesn't have to happen in October um, for you to be entered for this. We're just picking a winner, not necessarily dependent on when the hunt was or even when it was submitted, really. We're just going to pick a winner each month. Um, so for October, it's Catabatic Quilt. Um, reached out to those guys. They were generous enough to offer one as a prize, which we certainly appreciate. Um, it's my catabatic quilt's truly my favorite piece of backpacking gear. Um, and I didn't get it free. I paid for it quite a few years ago, full price. So, um, just love their stuff. Glad that they were on board to offer one. So that's the prize. Keep submitting them. Uh, if you guys haven't entered yet and want to, or you want to learn more and see all the prizes, just go to exomountaingear.com forward slash experience, or as always, there'll be a link in the show description. All right. Diving into a couple of listener questions that were timely. Steve, we are getting ready to take off on an elk hunt later this week. It's looking quite chilly. And this guy wrote in and said, there's a ton of time that you guys have spent discussing gear, such as boots and packs. I'd love part of a segment spent on gloves, hot hands, or similar gear and strategies for a cold weather rifle elk hunt. So Steve, we're getting ready to do a fairly cold ish rifle elk hunt. Mm-hmm. talk gloves, hot hands, anything similar on keeping the, uh, extremities warm. Sure. Um, for me, I have found for active hunting, sitting, I, I guess I found absolutely nothing better than just rag wool gloves. They're cheap. Uh, you can go to like the ones I buy, I buy at sportsman's warehouse. Um, and they're like nine 99 for a pair of them. I have thinner ones and then some thicker ones that have like a thin slit lining to them. And the, the, I just found nothing that even comes remotely close to competing with those as far as keeping my hands warm, but still being able to, you know, have some dexterity and, and, and grab a gun, things like that. And then one of the tricks is making sure that the glove is a little bit oversized. Um, if it's too tight, like if, if you have 
you know, gloves that are kind of compressing your fingers, uh, then that shuts off blood flow and then they get cold. So making sure that they're somewhat loose on you, um, they just work fantastic. And then if it's really cold, uh, the down mittens from first light that I've used are just phenomenal. If you're going to sit there and glass, uh, sit around camp, um, you can keep the thinner wool gloves on and just slide your hands in there or gin or, or more often than not, I just take those off and then slide my hands in those, uh, what are they Jake called Brooks down gloves? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Brooks down glassing. Um, and, uh, yeah, they're just fantastic. So the combination of those two things, uh, works really well. The, you know, wool is obviously not, um, waterproof, so it, it's going to get wet. If it's going to be like a really snowy hunt, sometimes I'll pack two of them just so I can kind of alternate back and forth. Um, but I found nothing better, you know, ski gloves, um, you know, mechanics gloves, uh, anything like that, that just, when it gets cold, they just don't work for me. So, and then, uh, one of the, one thing I, my hands, like, uh, I have to st- if stay somewhat active, right. Just to keep blood flowing and moving, which I don't think is unique. Um, but one thing that I do, if my hands get really cold, I'll, I'll get them next to my skin. So I'll like, um, you know, put them in your armpits or, um, yeah, just put them against your skin. And then that way you can warm them back up. And I've, I found, uh, as far as like hot hands versus that, I found it way better just to, to get your hands next to your body. Uh, and that warms them up pretty good. And then I get some dexterity back because I definitely, I, if I let them get to a point where I can stop like functioning, right? Like you can't grab something small or, you know, um, open up a bottle, um, trying to think of random examples you'd use out there, uh, in the field, but, um, yeah, that, that, that works really well for me. Um, and then oh, the hot hands are, you know, I use those like on fishing trips and stuff like that, but, uh, I've never packed them on a hunt. Yeah. Yeah, I think that covers it pretty well for an elk hunt. I mean, there's things I've done um, with hot hands and that more for my whitetail hunting or using one of those um, like muffs that you wear in front. You can put your hands in and gloves. Those work mm-hmm. fantastic if you're on a hunt that um, you're pretty immobile. So you're doing a ton of glassing, maybe not getting too far from the truck. I and mean, those definitely work incredibly well. But for moving, for covering some country, intermittent glassing. Uh, I think you hit it well. Those Brooks mitts are pretty fantastic. I like how you rattled off the official name, Jake. Like you're you're living up to your reputation as the resident first light product expert at the exit. No. <laughs> yep. Yep. I'm, I'm basically like uh, the researcher guy. Like, while you guys are talking, I'm looking it up, you know, exact product specs, name, everything like that. Just ask uh, me. I'll give it to you. Dude, that's like a, you're going from junior host to like junior producer. That's pretty good stuff, man. <laughs> Moving up. <laughs> uh, anything there that uh, comes to mind for you, Jake, that Steve didn't hit on? Well, I was going to say, um, Steve actually introduced me to those rag wool gloves. Like I will second that those things are money. Cause we went on a late season deer hunt, him and I, uh, a couple years ago. And I remember I was, my hands were frozen cold and it was because, you know, my gloves were a little snug on me. Um, and he introduced me to those gloves and their money. Um, so, I mean, yeah, just a good pair of wool gloves. Um, first light makes similar ones, the, the Talus full length, uh, gloves, um, that are similar, but, um, yeah, I mean, those and, and the Brooks mittens are, are great. I've struggled with other gloves before. Um, so I just stick with the same one that Steve runs and I'm not getting any 
cold fingers whatsoever anymore. Yeah. What like the fingerless gloves don't work for me at all. Like I I know for some guys they work for, but like that's the equivalent of having nothing for some reason. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, The thing that always comes to mind with me with gloves, you just need an arsenal of options because sometimes you're only concerned with warmth. Sometimes you need them for protection, meaning you're hunting in areas where like say an alder, like when we go to Kodiak, right, we're going to have some, something more beefy um, than rag wool, um, something with a more, um, solid construction because you're also trying to get protection more than just warmth um sometimes it is crazy wet or snowy and then you need uh, a more shell type glove so it's just good to have an arsenal of options and really to figure out what works for you based on different conditions um but yeah purely for just cold weather hunting uh the rag wool plus that down over definitely great solution um all right next one um, this guy wrote in and said, you guys have talked a lot about spotting scopes and binos on the podcast, but not about scopes on your rifles as much. Uh, we've hit that on the past and I've failed because I mentioned doing a scope review and comparison of a few scopes. Haven't put that together just because I've been so busy. Definitely want to do that in the off season. But he also asked, what scopes are you guys using right now on your rifles and do any of them have a bubble level to ensure you aren't canted to one side or the other? Um, so two-part question there, talking about scopes currently. Steve, I know that um, you went through this with your recent rifle build, with picking different scope options for your hunts. You've tried some scopes recently that you wouldn't have tried if I asked you this question six months or a year ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also, I'm kind of curious because I never followed up with you on this. You've made some some suggest you've made some comments of like first focal plane is the way to go second focal plane doesn't make sense but yeah. you just used a second focal plane scope so yeah, <laughs> so, yeah what, what's going on well, recently for yeah you? i don't i don't think my opinion has not changed on first focal plane versus second focal plane um it's just that there are no good lightweight first focal plane scopes on the market yeah. um they just don't exist that the any of them uh, I mean, you're going to be, yeah, really any quality ones, high twenties, 28 ounces, uh, night force SHV. Um, yeah, for, I don't know. I don't know why first focal planes are just, you know, they're kind of relegated to the, um, competitive shooter, big, heavy scopes, and they just don't trickle down into the hunting market very well. Uh, I don't know exactly why that is, if it's something to do with how they're built or, or the, the rifle scopes don't see that as a market that's big enough to go after. I'm not sure, but, um, I will say with these new range finders that are coming out on the market, like on my sheep hunt, I had the, the Swaro EL range TAs. They're basically a range finding binocular with all the, um, you know, ballistics built in as well as accounting for temperature and pressure. Uh, so it's truly, get a range dial shoot, uh, in the past, you know, I've had like, a the, an app on my phone, like ballistic app. And then it's like, okay, range. And then you got to go into the ballistic app. And I mean, if you really want to be precise, right. Uh, and then you got to figure I enter the temperature, enter the pressure. Um, and it was, it was just a complicated process to where, um, to get your exact dial. And that's where I like, I preferred the first focal plane where you can zero to a hundred, and, um, you've got MOA tick marks inside your reticle and you just kind of, you could shoot fast, right? Like you wouldn't have to dial. Um, but with this new system of just range, everything's right there, dial super quick. 
uh, man, it's, um, it's pretty sweet. Uh, and it definitely takes away the need, I think for that first focal plane scope for me, because the, the process is very simple now. So, um, I think a, when I was looking at scopes, one big consideration for me with this kind of new system, I guess, was how easy it was to dial. Um, I ended up going with, uh, a night force NXS two and a half to 10, um, scope, which is been awesome uh the what i didn't like about it though was the top dial um it's pretty small and it's the the little tick marks in it um you know it's very precise and clean but it's not um a good example is the um one scope i had that i was looking at was a vortex uh, razor hd light hunter and it's got a really nice dial it's it's locked so you just pop up the cap and there's kind of big gaps between all the tick marks uh with very clear numbering and it's just like it's super fast to dial it in um i didn't end up going with that scope just i've had you know a few warranty issues with the vortex over the years and it's like i don't like this is really nice i think they've like to me it was the perfect hunting scope. Uh, I just wasn't hundred percent sold on the durability I was going to get out of it where on the night force, I knew I could like turn that thing into a stake hammer if I needed and it's still going to stay zeroed. So um, yeah, I guess that was my first focal plane, second focal plane uh, dilemma that's somewhat been solved now with these new binos. Yeah. The problem with uh, second focal plane, which is also what I'm running for many of the reasons you just said, but still it's when you, when you come to what you said, it's super easy to dial. You don't have to use the reticle for holdovers, especially with um, when you have a rangefinder that gives you ballistics. But yeah, just wind, right? So you go to wind, like, yeah. okay, and now I'm, you know, three MOA of wind or two MOA of wind. If you try and hold that in the reticle, you need to realize you need to be at uh, max power. Full zoom. Uh, yeah. Full and you zoom don't, for that to be relevant. You know, there's a lot of guys that debate that back and forth. I'm definitely like, zooming back out that's why i have a, a max 10 power scope um so that does help with the second focal plane that was another issue with some of the other ones is like if you want the reticle to work all of a sudden you got to be at 14 or 16 or 18 x yeah. um and it's like dude i don't want to shoot at 18 like that's uh, you're going to have a really tough time getting back on target and seeing bullet impact um, i have a hard enough time as it is with 10x so um yeah i know there's definitely some experts out there that are going to be really disagree and say absolutely shoot at full power but i think you're better off backing it out and just from a i'm better off personal experience so yeah um i've definitely with i, I just really i um on the windage i got into my ballistic app and i just spent a bunch of time in there entering different wind values and also spent a good amount of time you know we've talked about it where you and i were out shooting this summer shooting out outside shooting five six hundred yards in wind and seeing what happens and there's definitely days where i went out to the desert south of boise um right before the hunt and there was a wind that i had 24 inches i put i think it was like a 630 yard shot and i put two bullets like an inch and a half apart perfect height but they were 24 inches right of center and it, it blew me away i was like how in the hell is it getting pushed this far because the wind just didn't you know i was, I was thinking it's like five mile an hour wind and to get 24 inches it would have had to been like 12 to 14, I think. Um, but that kind of practice, you know, led me to just understand wind and, and what my gun and bullet is shooting. And I think it's super important to, you know, obviously 
train and practice with the gun you're going to take into the fields for getting used to wind, holding windage. Um, and so right now my strategy is like on my sheep, a uh, 530 yard shot, right to left wind. I held mid body and um, ended up not getting any drift, but I, I did what Kleckner said, you know, like, well, if it's a right to left wind, you just better hold right edge. And that way, if nothing happens, you still hit what you're going to hit. And if it does push it, you're, you've got room to go to the left. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, that's exactly what I did. I just held back of the lungs and, and hit it. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I picked up, uh, just a quick tip for guy. And actually this boils into a longer story, but, um, there's, you know, there's obviously wind meters out there, right? There's kestrels, especially if guys are into shooting, I didn't want to go full on Kestrel because I knew I wouldn't personally use that in the field. And I was just looking for a cheaper, simpler solution to see wind. And honestly, as much as I want for the ballistics integration, really just get a better feel for what is this wind, right? So you're out there and mm-hmm. you're like, is this five? Is this eight? Is this 12? I don't know. Um, and honestly, this really started when we were in Alaska on the caribou hunt and we had some crazy winds and I'm like, is this a 40 mile an hour wind or a 50? I have no idea, but I know it's a big wind. Right. And I wish I would have had something to tell me. And, uh, so anyway, I was looking for that as well, as I mentioned for shooting and there's a small wind meter called weather flow. Um, and it does, I think just wind temp and maybe pressure. Um, but it's like two and a half inches tall, probably, um, it Bluetooths and it integrates with quite a few ballistic apps that you can have on your phone. Um, the one I initially used it with most was uh, Hornady's Fordoff app. Um, and so you can pull up Fordoff, you can have all your ballistics and your profile saved, and then you can um, open this meter and then Fordoff app sees that and it'll show you the wind value it will calculate that into your ballistic solutions and all that. So I've enjoyed doing that for shooting, not so much for an in the field situation, uh, but again, just to get a better feel for what is this wind and then kind of verifying, okay, if this is six miles an hour, I should hold this at this range. Does that, you know, remain true with my um, experience of actually shooting? So that's been cool. What leads me into the longer discussion is SIG just released some new range finders, um, a new handheld as well as new range finding binos. And I just got a demo of their new handheld, which Steve will have to play with on our elk hunt this week. Um, so I think it's the SIG Kilo 8K. Um, it's like a newer version of their high-end ballistic range finder. And it was interesting is it came in the package with one of these weather flow meters Hmm. um that i already had and the integration not only between those two devices um is amazing but this the the rangefinder is flat out impressive so far um really excited to play with it more in the field but what's cool is i always had that weather flow meter but didn't want to run like open up an app on my phone but with this rangefinder the rangefinder and the weather flow meter talk to each other without your phone and in the rangefinder, it shows you when the weather flow is connected and it will show you your wind hold in the rangefinder. Some of the other cool things this rangefinder does um, that I had no idea it did, to be honest with you, until I started playing with it. Number one, it's like all the SIGs have, tend to be crazy fast, um, it has applied ballistics built in. One thing, this is one of, I don't know, there's probably other rangefinders that do this and I was just unaware, but one thing that I thought was really cool is you, so you range. Uh, it gives you your holdover, obviously, based on your ballistic profile you created. 
it also shows you at that range what your um, what your speed and kinetic energy is, which was really interesting to me. In all in the screen, and it's not too cluttered. It'll show you range, holdover, uh, wind hold if you have the meter connected, and then it'll say, okay, at 600 yards, your you know your bullets carry in 1950 feet per second and whatever kinetic energy, like all on board in the display. Um, is pretty dang impressive. And how That's fast it cool. does all that was like kind of mind blowing. So huh. anyway, literally just got uh, it uh, yeah. a few days ago. I like that idea of like packing a wind meter of just checking when you're out there, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. like just like, I think this is five and it's, you know, one or it's 10. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That'd be interesting. That'd be fun to play with. Yeah. yeah. So I'll have it this week. It'll, it'll be cool to see, but, um, all right. Speaking of rifle stuff, um, Jake, what'd you do yesterday, man? went elk uh well i went elk hunting yesterday which really turned quickly into a deer hunt yesterday so that was exciting stuff happened stuff happened (laughs) (laughs) stuff happened real fast oh so tell us the story dude yeah so i went out um this weekend left early on friday to go out elk hunting with um a good buddy of you know ours actually really good buddy of steve's um and i just ended up becoming friends with him through through xo um his name is justin carey so him and i went out um, chasing cow elk this weekend. And, um, yeah, I mean, it was, we got in late Friday, so we really couldn't hunt. Uh, so Saturday we, uh, did a bunch of driving around. It was super weather was terrible on Saturday. Uh, just rained all day, super muddy roads and, uh, couldn't really locate any, any elk. Um, so, I mean, really Saturday had, there was nothing, nothing going on until end of the day on Saturday. Um, I, I swear Justin and I put on a whole lot of truck miles. His truck got beat up. And when I say that we almost rolled his truck on Saturday. Um, we, we were going in on a road trying to do some extra, uh, glassing. And so we thought we could kind of get behind this one mountain. And, um, he ended up, uh, basically almost rolling his truck. There was a little, uh, ditch in the, in the road and, we, uh, we sunk the truck and it kind of teetered back and forth. Thank, thank goodness for a four wheel drive. So anyways, we didn't end up going on that road, but, um, we did get off and, and, uh, put our packs on, did some glassing over on the other hillside and man, we were not finding any elk, but we did see a lot of, a lot of mule deer and we were both looking at each other like, well, if we're not finding any elk, that's not a problem. Tomorrow's the opener. So, you know, why don't we just come back to the spot early in the morning and see if we can, you know, make something happen. So Sunday came, we got up super early and, uh, just basically sat ourselves in a spot, waited for the sun to come up, had a bunch of chucker behind us, uh, calling. Um, it was super cool. Just hearing them all kind of wake up and just see the whole ground come alive. Uh, and then, so sunrise happened and we, um, we had a couple deer just come right into us basically head on. Uh, we were kind of just sitting watching like a migration trail almost. And, um, there was a little forked horn buck that, you know, came about 200 yards and I spotted him and Justin's like, you want him? I'm like, ah, I don't know. He goes, if you're not going to shoot him, I will right now. I go, okay, sounds great, man. So I pull out my phone and, um, I kind of give him a range real quick. He gets set up on the, on the quick sticks and bucks i think he shot him at 168 yards and just dropped him right in his tracks him and i just high fives all around it was super cool he was stoked man like it was it was super cool he's like i haven't shot a mule deer in six years it was this is awesome 
So high fives, threw the packs on, went over and uh, took some awesome photos. And man, we were, I think Justin basically grabbed his tag, notched his tag. And, you know, we both pulled our knives out and were basically ready to uh, skin them. And Jake, pause. uh, Yeah. How come you didn't want them, man? How did I, what? How come you didn't want to shoot them? Well, because I didn't want my season to be over that quick because I knew I was going out this weekend, um, you know, this coming weekend with my grandpa and then, you know, November deer hunt. I, I just don't want the season to be over, but I also realized that I still, you know, before he, or, you know, when he killed his deer, I still haven't even killed a a mule deer. I've missed two bucks and that's it. Um, So, I mean, I definitely thought about it long and hard, but I, I just wasn't sure. And he was stoked. He seemed amped to, you know, he wanted it. And I was like, this is awesome. So, and I just love being a part of that. So we were, uh, we were about ready to skin it. And I look up and some movement caught, caught my eye and basically a little fork and horn buck was running across right back where we were sitting, you know, 200 yards away. And I told Justin, he goes, well, grab your rifle and go after him. I go, I don't know. And he goes, dude, go right now. So I grabbed my rifle and my, um, trekking poles and I'm, I'm running and I basically, yeah, I run 200 yards back, uh, to basically right where we, uh, right where we shot his buck, uh, where, right where we just kind of, uh, posted up and across the other hillside to our right, uh, there was a group of four bucks. And then I was like, okay, this is, this is awesome. Stuff's going to happen. So I'm heavy breathing and, you know, I see four bucks. So then my adrenaline starts pumping, get a little buck fever, if you call it. Um, and so I, I basically get set up, uh, really quickly throw in my ear, uh, uh, ear protection. And I start just looking, seeing, you know, all right, which buck, which buck is, you know, the biggest one. And, um, so I kind of pick one out. He was a nice three by four. And so I grab my range finder, I start ranging and I keep getting 268, 269, you know, so right in that area. So with my rifle, uh, I just, just sighted in last week. I, I really didn't have to, um, you know, aim higher low. So anyways, it just was an extra 10 seconds of getting, you know, settled on the buck, kind of get my composure and, you know, just take some deep breaths and kind of calm down a little bit. Cause I was, I was pretty excited. And, uh, those bucks weren't really disturbed by me and the, the three by four kind of separated himself. He was just in the middle and I ended up making a little bit of movement and they all kind of looked back at me. But by that time, you know, I was already set and, uh, ready to pull the trigger. So like, I think I took three or four deep breaths and, uh, yeah, man, I mean, just pulled the trigger, the gun went off and just basically knocked me off the trekking poles. Almost. I I wasn't really holding it down. So one, it was just a really great shot pulled through. It really didn't, you know, punch the trigger or rush it. And so it kind of got me off the scope. And so I, I look with the naked eye and I see just the three bucks standing, uh, not sure what's going on. And the other buck I shot, he kind of took two steps to the left, like he was trying to run away and he, he just fell right back over and, you know, the stoke was high. I looked back and Justin already has my, has my pack in his hands and he's running full sprint towards me before I know it, I'm tackled to the ground. We're (laughs) we're stoked. It was, it was great. Um, so, I mean, I, tears were both shed by us. Like that's the first time, you know, that's the first time for both of us, you know, somebody's doubled down before, um, and he was, yeah, he was stoked cause he was a part of my first, you know, mule deer kill. So it was great. You know, we had two bucks, 400 yards apart from each other. Um, yeah. So 
it was a really awesome opening day. I mean, we shot our bucks 30 minutes apart. I think he shot his at eight. I shot mine at eight 30 and took some photos and yeah, I mean, um, props to him. He, you know, helped me skin mine out. Um, and we got, got mine quartered up and <laughs> he, we, we packed, I packed mine out. Uh, and he basically, right when we got done skinning mine, he went to his and he went to town on his, by the time I did my two trips, he was already packing, um, his buck out hole. Um, and then we were just back to the truck headed to town, to to grab a burger. I mean, it was, it was awesome. It was a freaking fantastic hunt and, uh, yeah. Tagged cool, out, man. That's cool, man. Yeah. Super like fun. It. Was that your first time? Had you practiced shooting off the quick sticks at all? No, that was the first time practicing off this quick sticks. Cause when I shot last weekend, no, I was you weren't shooting practicing. The... No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're hunting. Yeah. I was hunting. Um, and they work great. Um, the one thing is I wish I do. I, I, I know I have a bubble on my scope. Um, I wish I, I wish I had it. So just, I, it took me a little bit to kind of align it, make sure I was level. Um, I just, I didn't, I, I hadn't thrown it on. Um, but yeah, man, it was a great shot. 260 yards, just no problem whatsoever. It was great. So That's I cool. think, yeah, it was my first, first rifle kill too. Is it really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Dang. I missed a buck when I was like 15 with a rifle. And then I also missed one with my bow when I was 17, but yeah, I never, yeah, it was my first, first mule deer kill and first rifle kill. So old, that was exciting. It was fun. The old, uh, Exo Christmas rifles broken in and ready for yeah. Kodiak. Huh? Ready for Kodiak. Exactly. Yeah. It was, uh, it was a blast. Like I said, huge shout out to, to Justin for, it was just a fun weekend with him. Um, you know, huge shout out to helping me out and yeah, just, you gotta love a fun, successful weekend of hunting. It was great. Heck yeah. You mentioned, uh, having a bubble level, which thank you, junior producer. Cause you brought me back to the prior question. <laughs> the second part of it, we didn't touch was having a bubble level. Um, so to get back into that, uh, in that scope discussion, you know, different, uh, different scopes have some integrated features that will show you your level. Um, SIG does that, that comes to mind. Um, Leupold VX six has that integrated, where electronically within your scope um, site picture, it'll show you uh, where to where it's off level, and then show you you know which direction it's canted to get you back to level. Um, outside of that, there's third party levels you can mount to a scope um, to the scope tube itself, or what I've started to use a fair amount are scope rings that have an integrated bubble level. Um, so just to touch on that quick. The two ring sets that I have, one is from Hawkins Precision. Um, that's on my 6.5 Creedmoor. And then on my 7 Psalm, I have scope rings from Zeiss um, that have the integrated bubble level. So those are your options. You can go internal in the scope, uh, which essentially is going to be electronic. So may not even be legal in some places. You can go a scope tube mounted um, bubble level or integrated in your scope rings, uh, or I guess another option is more and more, not so much rifle stocks, but a lot of chassis systems, um, even the chassis systems kind of built or geared more towards hunting like an XLR. Um, a lot of those have levels in the chassis. So again, not on your scope, um, but you can still essentially get the rifle leveled using that one. 
Um, I think you, did you mention Steve, you got those ice rings with the level? Yeah, I got the Zeiss. Um, and I, in the past I had some tally rings with the level like up on top. And once you were in the scope, you couldn't see it. Right. So you had to literally yeah. lift your head, cheek, head off the cheek piece, look up, um, see if you're still level, then get back into it. Now with those Zeiss ones, it's a, it's a real small bubble level, but it's simply a matter of just kind of like directing your eyes up to the left and you can go, Oh yeah, I'm still good without having to do any movement. It's, it's pretty dang, uh, smooth and, and simple to use. Uh, I, I, the, um, I did take that SIG BDX scope to Alaska last year. And I, I mean, from a, yeah, I love that internal, um, level indicator. It's so stinking awesome. Uh, especially when you're in steep mountain country like that, you know, uh, I wish that feature could be in more scopes and hopefully it, I'm sure it will trickle down in the future. Yeah, for sure. Well, cool. That's a, that's a wrap. Um, appreciate you guys always sending in those questions. We'll definitely keep that going. Um, we obviously have more hunts, uh, coming up that we'll be talking about. We have more hunts from you guys. Um, some of the emails and things we're getting from the Expo experience, uh, are going to be great podcasts. So I'm really excited about some of the listener stories we have coming more guests, uh, being scheduled. So definitely moving forward, obviously the, the schedule of podcast releases gets a little bit crazy this time of year, but, uh, we have a lot of cool things in the works as always. Don't hesitate to reach out to us directly. If you have a question for the show or suggestion, uh, anything like that, just send an email to podcast at xomountgear.com. Uh, check out the show description. We'll leave links to the different products we mentioned, like Ragwool gloves, the SIG rangefinder, weather flow meter, uh, the Exo experience contest, all that good stuff. So just check out the links below. Jake, Steve, appreciate you joining us. No problemo. Thanks for having me on.